Bethune-Cookman scores an impressive victory over Grambling, but what's going on with the Tigers in the second half? Also, Jada Byers has star written all over him. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every single day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that it's time to turn your journey off. It means that it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You can see it right there on the bottom lower third if you're on YouTube. If not, at South Exclusives. Do not forget the S on the end. And today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. And I felt like Bethune-Cookman pulled off a pretty impressive victory This weekend, there was a game between Bethune-Cookman versus Grambling, and it was a game that I was curious about. I was really able to dial in in the second half. I'm not going to say it was – I didn't think it was a game of the week candidate. I'll say that. I did not think it was a game of the week candidate. But it did end up being a game that I thoroughly enjoyed, and it was a game that I'm going to deliver two segments about, and it's one that I probably could have got three out of, to be honest, but I I didn't want to do that this time. And dedicate the whole show to that to just this game. But man, this game was so exciting to me. I had so much fun watching it. And Bethune Cookman was able to pull off this victory because they had a complete performance. They had offensive plays, they had special teams plays, and they had defensive plays. Let's get into the special teams because you know, when I was calling uh, my one game, right, that I'm going to keep referring back to. But when I was calling my one game, I said, who says special teams ain't special? And it was after a, a major fake punt or botched punt that ended up getting 40 yards. But that's neither here nor there. Um, who says special teams ain't special? And I feel like I've seen a load of special, special teams plays this this year, whether that's collegiate ball or if that's professional ball. I just feel as if I've seen more special teams plays that have really changed and shook up a game. And this game was no different. There was two specific plays that went in favor of Bethune-Cookman. And the first one was a kickoff return touchdown. And you will never convince me that a kickoff return for a touchdown is not an energy jolt, an instant energy jolt for whoever got that. Um, I I just thought it was a fantastic play. Darnell Dees was able to return the kickoff back. Now, granted, Grambling did respond. So it it was a situation where they going toe-to-toe. However, I know that that energizes the Bethune-Cookman sideline because you have a play like that, and I'm not going to call them improbable, but it's not a a play that you're going to see frequently, right? You see deep shot touchdowns a lot. You see big time running touchdowns a lot. Even if you don't see them on your team a ton, you know that they happen quite a bit. 
you're not seeing kickoff returns for touchdowns and punt returns for touchdowns. Those are always going to be special. No pun on the, on the term special teams. They're just going to be special plays at all times. Then the other special teams play they had was a blocked kick, right? And we're talking about field goal, not extra point, but a field goal. Grambling was attempting in the fourth quarter that ended up getting blocked. It was very early in the fourth quarter. I think like 50 seconds in. But um, this is a play where you block a field goal and it was a game changer. You ask coach about it. He'll tell you that really changed the whole momentum of the game and everything shifted from there. And if you look at how the 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 performance of the team was after that blocked kick it's pretty hard to disagree with them on it but then you look at defensively and they really hunkered down in a game where it looked like it was preparing to be a shootout each team goes 17 points up right basically they score on their first couple of drives with Bethune Cookman if you want to count that kick return as a drive he scores on that as well well, now you got three scores in your first three drives. It's 17-17. It's looking like, man, we about to have an old Western in here. But no, the defense really hunkered down, really on both sides after that. But um, but specifically for Bethune-Cookman, they didn't allow another point the rest of the game. Not a field goal, not a touchdown. The only time that Grambling scored, and that was to take it from 17 to 19, was a safety. And clearly, that is not the fault of the quarterback, or excuse me, of the defense, because they didn't allow that, that that score. They weren't on the on the field for that. They didn't surrender another point after that, and that's early in the second half. But you really look at the, the second, or excuse me, early in the second quarter that they stopped allowing points, but you really look at the second half of Grambling, and that's when you start seeing some impressive plays by the Bethune-Cookman defense. But I won't get too far on that because we are going to talk about that in the second segment. But um, overall, Darnell Dees did have another touchdown, and it was a pick six. So you're looking at a player who was the leading scorer for the Bethune-Cookman Wildcats. However, he was a defensive player. He had two touchdowns on the day. It's very rare that you see that. So let's give him the heavyweight belt, that old-fashioned gold WWE heavyweight belt. That's what we're going to go ahead and deliver to Darnell Dees because he deserves it. That was <laughs> that was terrible. Let's get by that. Uh, but the reason I felt this game was it wasn't that bad in hindsight. I don't know. Anyway, let's see. Let me know what y'all think in the comments. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, give me a grade for that. These deserved it. One out of ten. We'll be grading that. But anyway, the reason this game was impressive is because both teams kind of came in with some. Uh, expectations so to speak except in completely different formats for grambling there was external expectations and i don't mean coming into this week i mean coming into this season hugh jackson is there i i feel like they were a dark horse candidate to win the swack west i said it and i'm not really ready to jump ship just yet not just yet but overall, I think there was an idea that Grambling was going to be a team that's in the mix. I don't know if you could say the same about Bethune-Cookman because they didn't have a strong year last year and they didn't have that big-time head coach that comes in that kind of gives a spark a bit or gives a spark in the public opinion. But with their expectations, they're all internal. And I think that this is the type of game they wanted to play. They said they played Grambling football on the other side, but we played Bethune-Cookman football on this side and it was able to come out victorious i think i paraphrased that a bit 
but you're looking at Jalen Jones, Kamari Averett, and then also Quayshawn Bird. Those are the three players who really showed out in today's game versus Grambling that made you feel like, okay, this is an offense that could finally get it chugging. You look at Jalen Jones, it's the first game that he started from start to finish. It's the first game that he played that full duration of the game this season, and it was the first conference game. So that has to give him some sort of confidence, I would assume. And also, he mentioned it after the game. He said, man, the view from where he was sitting is way different after a win. Sounds like a man whose confidence is rising. I don't know what the play is going to be, but I can say that I think that confidence does help you play better at the quarterback position. And it seems like after the first victory of the year for them, they do have a little bit more confidence for from their starting quarterback. Now let's get to the guy, Kamari Averitt. I have been waiting. Kamari Averitt, hello. Nice to see you again. This is the player who Bethune-Cookman honestly should be trying to get more involved like this, if not even more, on a weekly basis. The fact that he was averaging one catch and half a yard throughout the first two weeks of the season is unacceptable. This game, he comes in as five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. You're looking at a 16-point performance if we're talking about fantasy or 17-point performance, right? So this is a good game. This is what you want out of Kamari Averitt, and he showed what he was capable of. Kamari Averitt in this game for the first time this season, likely because he finally got the targets to be able to showcase this, looked like the All-American tight end that we know he is. He had a pass where he came across the middle, reached behind himself, and caught it with one hand. Nice snag. And then he also had a play that I kind of call like a double touchdown because I felt as if he caught the ball in the end zone. He came forward, and then he ended up using his force to get back into the end zone. And now you look at it, well, two times, or that second effort, I should say, is what made this play even more impressive. And then you look at Quayshawn Bird. He had 162 yards on the ground. We're looking at a three-headed monster. If your quarterback can keep it going, he can be efficient, and he cannot turn the ball over, which is what he did today. And then Kamari Averitt is given the ball and given the opportunities to show why we know his name and expect him to be one of the better tight ends coming out of the FCS level this year. And then Quayshawn Bird is dropping, it doesn't have to be 160, but just 100 yards. Bethune-Cookman is coming for a, a much higher spot in the final rankings than they did this or last year. I'll say that for sure. But going forward, we're going to talk about the other side of this, and that's Grambling. What's going wrong with Grambling? Grambling just is struggling to score in the second half. We got to break this down because this is something that if they want to be one of the better teams in the conference, they are going to have to fix that. But before I tell you about it, let me get into the Upside app. And boy, when I tell you I love this thing, I can still remember the first time that I had a uh, <laughs> that I actually used the Upside app. I was driving around the corner. I was like, man, I got to get myself some gas. And it can be it can be a little stressful going to the pump, knowing you're about to have to drop a car note just to fill up your car. But the Upside app takes away some of that stress. They take away the feeling as if, oh, man, I, I have to get gas and it's going to tear my pockets up. No, the Upside app allows you to get at least $5, if not more, cash back on your first purchase of $10. All you have to do is download the app. It's free. You go to the app. You, you select where you want to purchase at. 
you buy, use your card, it goes right back on it. It's really that simple. It's a very easy process when talking about the Upside app. I absolutely love it, and it makes my trips to the gas station significantly, significantly, significantly less stressful. As you keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is sporadic, meaning occurring occasionally, irregularly, randomly across time or space. Grambling has some issues. I, I don't know any other way to really phrase it. Grambling has some issues. And is it time to panic? There's currently one in three on the season. And I'll be honest with you, I usually wouldn't have a problem with it, but Hugh Jackson has me. I'm pressing the panic button. Hugh Jackson has me pressing the red button, the button you never want to hit, the panic button, man. I am stressed out, and you can thank Hugh Jackson for it. And when I look at one and three, contextually, when I look at who they faced, I get it. I do. You know, you wanted them to win this game. You likely wanted them to be 2-2. Two and two, But, it's I mean, okay, you're a game off where you probably expect it to be. You're probably not expecting to beat Grambling. I mean, excuse me, to beat Jackson State. Um, you're not really expecting to win that first game. You beat Northwestern. Okay, and you lost to, you lost to Bethune-Cookman. And, I mean, I don't think it's terrible contextually. But, I mean, the way Hugh Jackson is treating this situation I feel like it's a high-pressure situation. I feel like it's a a, 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 a dire must-win game next week against Prairie View. If you don't win next week, it almost feels like, okay, this season might not, it might just be over. But that's just how he's treating it. I don't, I wouldn't have felt this way. However, they're dropping the G. Grambling has taken the G off their helmet, and Hugh Jackson is saying that the players need to earn it. This is a major move, a very subtle move that some might even feel like I'm overreacting about because it's so subtle. But this is major coming from where I come from. Right. I'm, 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 I'm Texas. I'm right there in Texas. Family, Louisiana. Grambling. That G is iconic. Right. So I'm in SWAT country. This this is an iconic logo to me. This is a big deal for them to drop that G and everything that in my mind it represents. It tells you how disappointed that Hugh is with his team. And because of that, it does have me panicking. They did it after last week against Grambling or excuse me, against Jackson State. Well, if you drop the G against Jackson State, there was nothing that made you want to put it back on your helmet today. They did it for motivational purposes, and it just not, it just doesn't seem like they're motivated anymore because the same problem, it didn't look the same way, but the same problem you had against Jackson State is what you had against Bethune-Cookman, and that's offensive inefficiency in the second half. It's very simple. For some reason, there is no momentum in the second half of the Grambling offense, and it's been that way Every single game this year. Let's look at it. Game one, three points in the second half. Game two, the only score of the second half was a fumble recovery by Grambling. 
That's not an offensive score. We're talking about offensive inefficiency. And I understand in that game, too, you're blowing the team out. But still, you can disregard it in the moment because, you oh, this is a blowout. It doesn't matter that we're not scoring in the second half. But when you look at all four games and it's a part of the same trend, it does become con a little bit concerning, I'll say. Game three, there's seven points in the second half real late. And that's the one game where the defense really gave it up, too. But Jackson State, they came out like a different beast in the second half after that that impassioned post-game or mid-game speech by Deion Sanders. And you look at week four, no points. So let's go over it one more time. Game one, three points in the second half. Game two, there's no offensive points in the second half. And we're talking about the offensive inefficiency. I don't care that it was a blowout because it still follows that same trend. Game three, seven points in the second half. And in this last game against Bethune-Cookman, you don't score a singular point in the second half. Matter of fact, you don't even score after early in the second quarter. This is something that's concerning, and it's probably the reason that Grambling has dropped the G. And honestly, I don't know if it's going to get any better. We might be playing reverse hangman in here. Instead of giving out letters to put up on the board, we taking letters away. Who knows? After where they might, after a while, they might just be bling. They might not even be grambling. They just bling. Right? So when I'm looking at this game, it, it you can say they didn't perform in a, in the second half. And that'd be true. But to ignore the first three games that came before it to me would be reckless because it sets itself as a trend. They didn't not only struggle in the second half against Bethune. They didn't only struggle in the second half versus Jackson State. They have struggled in every single second half. I'm not writing off the blowout as, oh, they just didn't have to do anything. There were so many three and outs in that game that I would have wrote off if I didn't continue to see the same problem. But now I see it, and now you have to question, why is it when the second half comes out and defenses adjust to grambling, why is it that they can't do anything after that? If they don't find the answer to that, it's going to be a long season, and it might not just be one and three. It's going to be a losing record, period. In the conference, total record is going to be a losing record if you cannot figure out how to make some halftime adjustments to where you don't get completely shut down and suffocated in the last 30 minutes of a game. I just do not know how you can win games. You would, you would have to have a Northwestern game where you blow somebody out. And then they just have to play such comeback that, you know, they just can't catch up. Other than that, it does not look like Grambling is going to be able to win many games playing this kind of football, simple and plain. Uh, I thought Quaterius Hawkins did play well. Right. I thought he did play well, especially in that fourth quarter. And when you look at why things went wrong, it really wasn't on him. After that blocked kick, that was a difference maker. You had Gramp, well, that was the block kick. Then Grambling had an interception, or no, excuse me. Then they had a fumble, a chase down. That was a pretty good play by Bethune Cookman, but you still want to have better security with the ball. Then you had downs where you had two drops that Katarius Hawkins put on him. They just didn't catch it. And then you had an interception, and that was a bad play by Hawkins. But overall, I felt like he played well in that fourth quarter. He used his legs more, and that's something the broadcast team talked about. It's something I think he should continue to do because he clearly helped the grambling offense. But overall, you need better efficiency out of your offense in the second half. And if they don't get it, 
it doesn't matter how good Hawkins looks. They're probably not going to win too many games. And going forward, we're going to be talking about Jada Byers again because he's had yet another major game and another major game, right? So we're going to talk about that and exactly what I mean and why it's so important to me as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As a wrap of today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Shout out to all my people who make it all the way to the end of this 25 to 30 minute journey because we be in here having fun and I love y'all. I, I love y'all, man. Real talk. I appreciate you guys for tapping in with it. And the Jada Byers show is, is much watched too. Must watch too. It is 100%. Um, Jada Byers looks like a stud. He looks like a, a phenomenal running back. I don't think it's a stretch to say that He's a star by any means at all. Um, he has major games in major games. It's just that simple. If it was not clear the first time, y'all understand, Virginia Union looks like studs, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Jada Byers has been on his game, his A game, pretty much since the beginning of the year. If you're looking for the best running back in HBCU football, he's in that conversation. You're looking for the best running back in D2 football, he's in that conversation. The guy is a beast, right? He's an absolute beast. And here's my thing. He could just be a really good running back. Like, I could just say he's a really good running back. Um, we've had a, we've had a bunch of performances. I talked about one earlier, uh, Quayshawn Bird. I feel like I could fill out this whole week with at least one segment about a phenomenal running performance, right? You got Tootin. You got Bird. You got uh, Byers right here. You got uh, Howard at Alcorn. That's four right there, and y'all know what it is on Fridays. It's the game of the week, so we're not even going to get into that. But Fort Valley has a pretty good running back themselves if that happens to be our game of the week. By the way, drop your game of the week below. I'm going to try to pin it. Um, I'm taking viewer suggestions on what the game of the week should be. I have an idea, but I kind of want to know what the viewers and, and what some of the people who are just listening think that the game of the week should be so y'all know at south exclusives or if you just want to comment below whatever you want to do I'll, I'll try to put a poll up on twitter as well um but with all these great running back performances why does jada Byers separate himself that's because the consistency and he has one of the best intangibles let's look at what his season has looked like thus far First game against Virginia Lynchburg, 15 carries, 98 yards. He had a couple of, he had 45 through the air, two touchdowns on the day. Valdosta State, that's when he just showed out, right? 32 carries, 319 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 23 yards through the air, and added another touchdown versus Livingstone. They did him wrong, man. They, he got 26 uh, carries for 199 yards. No catches on the day. They could have got my man past the 200 mark, but whatever. He had two touchdowns at least. And then this last game versus Fayetteville State, he's had 31, uh, 31 attempts, 161 yards, three touchdowns, all on the ground. Once again, no air. No, guard, no yards through the air. You go 6.5 yards per carry, 10 yards per carry, 7.7 yards per carry, 5.2 yards per carry. When 5.2 yards per carry is a down game for you, you are a stud because in no way is that a down game. And when I tell you I understand that Jada Byers is doing this on a D2, on a, uh, uh, I understand that Jada Byers is doing this on a D2 level, but there's certain intangibles that it just doesn't matter what level of football you're playing on, they pop out. 
And one of my favorite and most preferred intangibles is the ability to have big time performances in big games because that's when your team needs you the most. Well, the two biggest games that Virginia Union has played all year is Valdosta State and Fayetteville State. In both of those games, they said, hey, buyers, we are going to give you 30 plus touches. Go out there and get it done. And he's got it done. He has delivered his two highest touchdown outputs of the year. This is a major player. He has star written all over him. Like, I don't care what level. I don't care if it's the CIAA or the freaking CAA or the SEC. When you're talking about these type of performances, these are the type of performances that should get you note. He is the leader in yards. He is the leader in touchdowns on the D2 level. This man has balled out consistently consistently easily one of the best backs in the country this guy has has performed in a situation where you give me 340 yards in a game total yards in a game against the number three number two depending on what rankings you subscribe to team in the nation i've seen what i needed to see you come out and you have Arguably the best team from the other side and you go on of, of your conference, the other division of your conference, and you come out there and you drop three touchdowns on them. I've seen what I needed to see. There have been great running back performances. Now, 100%. Starling had a great one. Howard's had a couple for Alcorn. And we're probably going to get to them. Uh, might get to them tomorrow, to be honest. I'm not sure yet. This guy has done it at the biggest stage when they needed it the most. Jada Byers has star written all over him. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about Texas Southern, how they were able to bounce back. Even though they have still a losing record, I've loved the way that they have showed resilience since week one loss to Prairie View A&M. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out our conference shows, Locked on ACC with friend of the show, Candace Cooper. You got locked on SEC, locked on Big 12, locked on Pac-12, locked on Sun Belt. You know, finally, it's the closest thing to me. Finally, a non-Power 5 conference show, right? But I appreciate you guys, and you guys should go check out them as well. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.